The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. Thanks for being a consenting adult, because here we go. All of my life, I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous, get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much. Maybe it's just you're not enough for me. Can't you see? I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be. Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delator, and this week we have a story from professor and co-founder of the Ecosex Movement, Beth Stevens. It has been about three weeks since I had a podcast episode, and I want to thank all the people who wrote me to check in on me and ask where I was. And I'm going to tell you, and a lot of people tell me, that they like the Dixie Ramble best of all on this podcast, better than the stories. And I'm not sure you're going to say that this week. I don't know that I would say that this week. If you know me, you know that the Dixie Ramble is the hardest part of this because I have to tell you the unfiltered truth. And I always tell the truth, but this is the close to the bone truth. And right now I'm feeling really emotionally flat from a horrendous three weeks, but I bet I won't really soon once I start talking about it. I've done a good job of not talking about it and talking very little over the last few weeks. But here we go. About three weeks ago or so, I got a message from my brother Donnie to let me know that he was in Tucson and that my mother was in the hospital. Now, my mother had just been in the hospital, and she had had pneumonia. She'd come out. She'd been okay. They'd put her on oxygen. She was a little pissed about that. But I was texting with her. She seemed all right. And then I got a message saying she was back in the hospital, that they had taken her from the hospital, that they, it was really urgent care. They had taken her to a real hospital in Tucson, and that they were taking her into the ICU. And I was confused. I was trying to figure out what had changed so suddenly. And I was texting with my brother when I had a story coaching appointment with someone who was about to perform a final performance for the workshop I was teaching, How to Be Body. I got on my Zoom call, which was supposed to be a coaching call, and let the person I was coaching, Brendan, know that I wasn't really in a very good coaching mind frame because something was going on and I wasn't sure if I should fly to Tucson or what was happening. I wasn't sure how serious it was. I had said to my brother, is this really serious? Should I fly there? And he was like, I don't know what to tell you, but if I get it wrong, you're going to be really mad at me. 
And so I immediately got on Zoom and talked to my coaching client. And as I was expressing my confusion, Brendan, thank you, Brendan, said, okay, I'm going to ask you a very embarrassing question and I hope you're okay with it, but I need your legal name and I need your date of birth because I'm buying you a plane ticket to Tucson. You really need to be there. You don't need to be coaching me right now. And he bought me a round trip ticket to Tucson for later that day. I was in shock. I was in shock before the call. And he said, okay, I'm going to send you a text. And the text said, here are the things you need to do. One, pack a suitcase. Two, contact your brothers and tell them to pick you up at the airport. Three, find out how late visiting hours are going to be in the ICU. Which was exactly what I needed in that moment. Thank you, Brendan. I could not make a decision. I was so overwhelmed. I managed to throw a bunch of shit, which was too hot for Tucson, by the way, into a suitcase. And as we've been having a ton of storms in the Bay Area, I ended up getting there like two o'clock in the morning, way too late for visiting hours. I got there first thing the next morning, and I'm so glad I did because my mother had an oxygen mask that was covering her entire face, and it took her a minute to register. And then she said, I recognize you. And a few minutes later, she said, if you're here, I must be a lot sicker than I think I am. And she looked very scared. I'm so glad I had that day. It was so hard to understand her with that oxygen mask on. But the one thing I brought, even though I didn't bring my contact lenses, I didn't bring my medications, I didn't bring anything. I brought the wrong clothes. But the one thing I did bring that was right was I brought really good massage lotion. Because my mother's favorite thing is to have her back massaged and her feet massaged. And I figured if I can't do anything for her, I can do that. And I did. I asked for permission from the nurses to make sure it was okay. And it made her so happy. The noises she was making with that oxygen mask on just made me know this was the best thing I could do for her. Later on that afternoon, they informed us that we were actually in acute care and that they were moving her to intensive care, which surprised us because it seemed like she was doing better than she had been, according to my brother. And when they took her upstairs, they let us know that she was not doing well at all, that they were going to intubate her. And as the doctor told my brothers that they were going to intubate her, I was beside her holding her hand. And she looked at me with really big eyes. Do you know what's happening to you? And she said, they're going to intubate me. And she started sobbing. And then they asked us to leave. And the next day was awful. We thought they had induced a coma, but they hadn't. She tossed, she turned. And eventually they sedated her enough so that she was out of it. She was communicating a bit, but it didn't take very long before they let us know that she had valley fever, not just pneumonia. So she had a fungal infection and it was serious. It's something that's not that serious unless you're really young or really old. And, and the doctor called all the kids in, all four of us, and said, she's not gonna be ambulatory anymore. She's gonna be in hospice. It's not looking good. And we knew what she wanted. She'd always told us. 
So we agreed to a do not resuscitate. And it was really, really hard and horrible. I got into such a fight with one of my brothers that I ended up in the emergency room myself of the same hospital my mother was in, the ICU. Because he couldn't feel his feelings. He just wanted to erase any sign of her. He wouldn't go to her bedside. He just called her landlord to do a walkthrough to get the house cleared out. He put all her stuff into boxes to give to the goodwill and I lost my fucking mind and said, go be with your mother. She's still alive. And I screamed at him so hard that I started having chest pains. And my other brother, Jay, made me go to the emergency room. And while they ran a EKG and a CAT scan and everything, I just begged the doctor to let me go upstairs because if they remove that tube, then I wasn't going to be there. And none of my brothers would touch her. They wouldn't hold her hand. They acted like she was communicable, like they could catch something. And I was the only one who would hold her hand while she died. The brother who wanted to remove all signs, and I'm not going to say his name, let's just say he's the brother I do not get along with, kept talking about money. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know. I want my mother, not money. And as he talked about how things would be split up and what would be sold and I said, I want one thing. I want her van. It's an old van. It's not worth anything, but I want it. Which they thought was kind of weird. And the reason I wanted it was because two years ago, my mother, who was the most frugal, most practical person who ever lived, decided that if a pandemic was going on and we were in such danger, she really started thinking about what was important. And she called me and said, would it be crazy if I moved across the country to be near my grandkids because my brother Donnie has kids? And I said, not at all. And she goes, but my house here is paid for and I would be paying rent and it would be a lot. And I'm like, I don't care. You get one life. Kids are young once. Do it. And to my complete surprise, she did. And she and a couple of her girlfriends drove cross country in that van. And so I have a sentimental attachment to it. If she could reinvent herself two years before she died, who knows what I could do with it. So I have been taking my time meandering back from Tucson. My best friend, Lil P, flew out from upstate New York where she bought a house last year. She flew into Phoenix and we went to a psychic. That was a bust. I really could use a good tarot reading or a good psychic right now, y'all. I feel like I need some direction. And we spent a couple of nights in Phoenix. We went to Desert Hot Springs. We stayed in a fifth wheel RV together in a little town in the middle of nowhere. And we just got back a couple of days ago. Back to my microphone. Back to my life. Where I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> but I'm back. There's a lot more to that story, but the ramble is not supposed to go for an hour and a half. I'm going to share more on Patreon. I had just started a Substack because I figured I'm in a place where I really want to find my joy and I could document the process of trying to find it. And it didn't happen because my mother died. Oh, by the way, my mother's name was Edna. 
So I've named the van Edna. So I get to spend a little bit more time with her. On the road, I hope. I'm hoping that Edna and I can maybe drive to some new cities. Maybe in the fall. Bring body to a new city or two. Have an adventure. I'm hoping that the van, Edna, might bring me a new piece of my life. A new chapter. <laughs> I have no idea what's next. Let's see what happens. You know I love a good sexy story when I hear it. So I want to tell you about Bloom. Bloom is an intimate audio platform that can help you take your pleasure to new heights. I love that on Bloom, you can select stories about BDSM and submission, sex with a stranger, sex with your partner. You can select stories by type of voice. Bloom has so many stories to choose from. I believe that listening to stories can open us up to new experiences, and it's such a safe, fun way to experiment. At Bloom, you can nourish your deepest desires with plot-based audio erotica, dirty talk stories, guided masturbation sessions, and more. And Bloom isn't just for solo pleasure. Their guided sex episodes and affirmations can help you connect with your partner or partners on a deeper level. Plus, right now, Bloom is offering Body Storytelling's listeners up to 50% off a subscription when you use the code BODY at bloomstories.com. Oh, and Bloom Stories also sync with Lovence toys to offer you a truly immersive experience, which means you can feel every intimate moment in these stories. How hot is that? When you go to bloomstories.com and use the code BODY, you can save up to 50% off a premium subscription. Nourish your desires by signing up for free today and listen to a selection of free stories and hundreds of samples from the entire Bloom catalog. And if you want to unlock all full episodes, upgrade to premium using the promo code BAWDY. You'll be supporting this podcast and get access to tons of erotic stories. Understanding your desires and indulging in pleasure has never been easier or more accessible because now there's Bloom. That's bloomstories.com. And remember to use the code BODY for 50% off a premium subscription. And there's a link in this episode's description. I hope you're ready for a story because we have a very special storyteller this week. Let me tell you about her. A founder of the eco-sex movement, Beth Stevens, in artistic collaboration with her wife, Annie Sprinkle, believes that saving the planet is sexy. Beth has spent many years creating art around her passion for the environment, and in 2008, Beth and Annie began marrying the earth in performance art weddings, which set them on the path to explore the realm of eco-sexuality. Taking the earth as their lover and making their mutual pleasure an embodied expression of passion for the earth. Ever since, they have been not just pushing but obliterating the boundaries, circumscribing biology and ecology, creating eco-sexual art in their performances of an environmentalism that is feminist, queer, sensual, sexual, post-human, materialist, and steeped in humor. Beth and Annie have a nearly 20-year collaboration in producing eco-sexual performances, exhibitions, events, and theory, and they travel the planet performing, lecturing, holding walking tours, offering free sidewalk sex clinics, mounting visual art exhibitions, writing books, and premiering their films. 
Beth has been a professor at UC Santa Cruz since 1993 and later moved on to chairing the department. You can learn more about Beth and Annie's work in the show notes. This storyteller is Beth Stevens. best ecosexual introduction I've ever had. (laughs) I'm going to tell you all a little story about the first time I had sex outdoors. It was with Jimmy Stutes. And Jimmy Stutes and I, we were born and bred in Appalachia. 18 years old. That was my first sex outside. And it happened in the New River Gorge on the New River in West Virginia. And I got to tell you that the New River is an old river. It's one of the oldest rivers in the world. It runs backwards, not across the, the Continental Divide. It runs the other way because it's in West Virginia. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I got to tell you, Jimmy and I, we would get so excited about going down and fucking on this big rock right in the middle of the river. And Jimmy Stutes, he was, he was, he was so good looking because he chopped wood and he bailed hay and he had a body like a, a holler Adonis and I, he was just the most beautiful man and he was a, he was a, an incredible musician he could play the banjo he could play the guitar he could play the harmonica he could play the fiddle and all the girls lusted after him and my daddy fucking hated him and I, he did not want me any, anywhere near holler Adonis Anyhow, I love Jimmy, and luckily there was Planned Parenthood in West Virginia at that time, and they gave us lots and lots of, you know, birth control pills, because we like to fuck like bunnies, me and Jimmy, we did. And our favorite place was that hot rock in the middle of the river in the New River Gorge. And we would run down to the, to the uh, river bank, and we'd strip off our clothes, and we'd jump into that cold, ice-cold water. It was like a perfect sweet iced tea on a hot, hot humid southern southern day some of y'all know what i'm talking about we would jump in that water and and you know the the new river is known for um white water rafting it is swift and the undertow is really serious and i even had a cousin drowned a lot of people have drowned in the new river but me and jimmy we were young and nothing could stop us and we would run out we'd swim out to that rock and we would dry off a little bit because that rock was hot right and then We'd roll over and we'd kind of get close to each other and I'd take his beautiful little penis and I would like, I'd kind of start rubbing it and then I'd put it in my mouth and I'd get it really hard. And it was really hard like only an 18-year-old country boy's dick can be hard, you know? And then we'd roll around a little bit more and then we would take the missionary position and then we'd do a little doggy just to kind of, you know change it up a bit, right? And he'd be like fucking me from behind and I'd be scraping my hands and scraping my knees on that rock and I didn't care. It was all good. And one day we were fucking and we were coming and you wouldn't believe it. The ions from the water were happening and the crawdads and the ch- cicadas and the blue b- bluebirds and the, the black bears, they were all cheering us on, the bluegills. They were like, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And we did it. And it was, it was hot. And Jimmy's just pumping me from behind. And I hear him say, I want to marry you. And I'm like, shit. 
I want to get married, but I didn't say anything. I just rolled over on my back and I looked at the sky and the sky was a, it was a, it was a powder blue, a real purdy blue that day. And I'm just thinking like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> so we swim back. We're hot. We're hot as hell, but we swim back to the shore, and I'm swimming, and my whole life is like flashing in front of me, and I'm thinking like, do I want to stay in West Virginia and have Jimmy's babies and just, no, no, I wanted to be an artist. I had art, I had the art, I had the art fire in my belly, so I went home, and I applied to art schools, and I got into an art school in Boston, Massachusetts, and I told Jimmy, I said, Jimmy, I got to go. And oh, he was so crestfallen. Dixie gave me that word. I hadn't heard that in years. Crestfallen. <laughs> and I broke that boy's heart. And that felt horrible because he was a beauty. But anyhow, I went up to Boston. And I was in art school and I was studying, you know, drawing and ceramics and sculpture. And sculpture was very interesting then, you know, because it led right into performance art. And that's where all the pervert artists go. I mean, there are, how many performance artists do we have here? Just clap your hands. We're all performance artists, right? So I'm in Boston. I'm doing performance art. I have this fantastic Eurasian roommate. She was amazing, Mary. And we, we, were, we would go get drunk and do drugs together, right? And we were drunk, and we were kind of high, and we were in our room, and, you know, we're fooling around. And next thing I know, we're on the bed. Mary's like, will you eat my pussy? And I'm like, oh, of course I will. And she, like, puts her pussy down on my face. And, man, I went to town. I didn't know my tongue had such endurance. I was like the, I was like, speaking of the ever-ever bunny, ever-ready bunny, I was like the ever-ready bunny tongue, right? And it just kept going and going and going. And I'll tell you what, that pussy in my face opened a whole new portal to me. And so I didn't just stop with my roommate. I went on and I was like fucking leather dykes. And I was, you know, just, it was just amazing. You know, I was into like feminists, not the, not the anti-sex feminists, but the pro-sex feminists. <laughs> I was fucking my drug dealers. I was fucking dandy dykes. I loved having like sex in the bathrooms of the, you know, the click club. <laughs> well, that was in New York. That was later, but it was like the marquee. And you know, I loved like staying up late at night and going for walks down on the Charles River. I loved that dirty water. You all know that song. And you know, Boston was fantastic. And I eventually got an art degree. And uh, I got a degree in doing sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I love, love, love having sex in uh, dirty places. And so, uh, you know, I kind, of, I kind of got around in Boston. There was no anonymous sex there either. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I got this letter in the mail after I got my degree, and it said, Dear Elizabeth Stevens, we've accepted your application to become a professor at the University of California in Santa Cruz. I'm like, what the fuck? You know? I'm like, me, a professor? I am a hillbilly kid from West Virginia. My parents didn't go to college. A lot of people in my family didn't go to college. A lot of people in my family think college is bullshit. But here I was in my U-Haul headed off to California with all my little art pieces in the back and my Harley was packed between my mattresses back there because I didn't have a car, right? So I go driving off to Boston, I mean to California, sunny California, from, you know, kind of dark, dank, the East Coast. You know how that East Coast is. It's not California, and I was happy to be headed west because there was a big horizon, and I was ready to take it on. 
So I get to the University of California down in Santa Cruz. It is beautiful down there, right? Are there any slugs in the audience? Any slugs out there? We love our slugs in Santa Cruz. And then people were calling me Professor Stevens, and I'm like, <laughs> you should have seen me fucking on that river rock. <laughs> Call me Professor. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> one day one of my colleagues comes up to me and says, uh, well, Professor Stevens, would you like to go see a punk like uh, poetry reading in San Francisco. And I'm like, sure. I haven't really spent much time in San Francisco because I'm like spending all my time in Santa Cruz. And we come up to San Francisco, this punk dyke poetry reading. And there's the, you know, it's crowded. Just like body storytelling here is crowded, you know. And I look out over the crowd and who do I see but that notorious porn star, former sex goddess, right? Uh, sex educator and very renowned performance artist, Annie Sprinkle, over in the corner. She's surrounded. She's surrounded by all these bitches, right? And I'm like, well, I got to get in there and get some action, too. So I go over and I try to weasel my way in. I start flirting with Annie. I mean, I, had, I knew Annie a little bit from the East Coast because we both sort of ran some of the same circles, those dirty bathroom sex circles. And uh, so we had met. I knew her. We talked. I come up and I'm like, hey, Annie. And I'm trying to flirt, but she's sort of occupied with other people. And thank God, right, that Joseph Kramer, who's right here in the front row, almost the front row, who's our beloved intimate, he told Annie that I had been flirting with her. By this time, I was all the way back in Santa Cruz. So a couple days later, I get a phone call, and it's Annie Sprinkle, and she is asking me out on a date. And I'm like, holy shit, what happened? I didn't even think she saw me out there, you know? So she asked me on a date, and how the hell could I say no to that, right? Even though I was nervous. I was almost as nervous as I am right now talking to all of y'all, right? <laughs> But I said yes. I said yes. I said yes, I will go on that date. This is a story of my life, just saying yes, right? Yes, I will go on that date. And I came up. She invited me to come out to Marin to visit her in her Eichler house, which was out there in Marin. It was this drop-dead beautiful damn house, right? And I go out, and I knock on the door, and she answers the door in this, like, flowing gown. And I'm like, oh, my God, no flannel here, right? And... uh <laughs> I had never gone out with the goddess before, so I didn't quite know what to expect. So anyhow, she like flows and gives me this flowy hug, and I'm all like, woo-hoo-hoo, and she takes me into her boudoir, and she says, could I read your tarot cards? <laughs> you got to understand, I truly am a hillbilly. I'm like, tarot, what? Tarot, tarot, what? And I'm like, well, okay, you know, it's, you can do whatever you want, honey, basically, is what I'm thinking, right? So she starts pulling my tarot cards, and I'm getting these shitty cards. I'm getting, like, the hanged man and death, and I'm getting, like, you know, uh, darkness, and then I get confused, I'm like, I'm not fucking confused. So the only way I could think to stop this whole thing that was happening with these damn cards was I planted a kiss on that woman, and it was the most intentional, powerful, Mm, kiss I have ever given anybody. And it stopped the tarot card reading. 
And it ignited a whole new part of my life. It started a three-day sexathon in her bed where we did not put our clothes on for three days. We were like two octopi. Have you all seen the octopus teacher? There were arms going everywhere in every orifice, and every kind of like sucking sound that could be had in the whole world was happening, and it was like <laughs> for three days, nonstop. Except that I've got to admit one thing to y'all, because you're my new friends, right? i got to tell you one thing. We did put our clothes on once, because Annie had an appointment. She had a therapy appointment. So we got all dressed up, and we went to the therapy appointment. I went right with her. And we had our first couple's therapy appointment in the middle of our sexathon. It was fucking great. We got all our shit out of the way right then and there. It was like the best idea, and I'd highly recommend it if you're having a sexathon. You got to go to that therapy appointment, right? right? I don't even like therapy, but anyhow, because I'm a hillbilly. But anyhow, we have this therapy appointment, and then we come back, and we're all fresh, and like all our, you know, psychological problems are gone. And we get into her hot tub, and we, we you know, the sun was going down. We let the sun rays penetrate our body, and the stars came out. We were stargazing, and we were holding each other in the water. We were buoyant, and our boobs were... Not as good as Dixie's boobs, but our boobs were... Well, Annie's boobs are pretty good. Mine are like whatever. But anyhow, our boobs are floating in the water, and we're straddling those hot tub jets, and we are having cosmic orgasm after cosmic orgasm. Oh, I couldn't even say orgasm when that was all done. We had really met each other, you know, in this beautiful sex, art, um, cosmic orgasm place. And we, so, so what did we do? We moved in with each other, like good lesbians do. We got the U-Haul, we move in together. We moved in with each other in Boulder Creek, California. Am I supposed to be seeing those signs somewhere? Okay, well, whatever. So, <laughs> so we moved in with each other to a little old cabin in, Bo in Boulder Creek, California. And we... Um, we, uh, we found a new place to have sex. There was a big old fairy circle of redwood trees out in our yard. And boy, I'll tell you, those trees, they are magical. They are like, they're like land whales. They are so magnificent, and they are so strong, and they're so tall, and they're so, they're so hard, and they're so phallic. And we had a whole circle of them, so it was like being in the phallic vagina. And we were like, you know, having like hot sex on the duff. We're looking up at the, 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 the stars, you know, in the middle of the trees. We are having treesomes. And we are just like doing it, doing it, doing it in the trees. And we realized that, you know, we're like starting to have this paradigm shift, right? Like things are happening in our, on our biome clouds and like in our brains. And we're, we're seeing things differently. And we think, God, let's get married. Let's get married to the earth. So... We decided we were going to take our vows to marry the earth, and we made a big wedding, and 400 people came to our wedding, and some of those people are in this audience tonight, all right? And they came to our green wedding to the earth where we made vows to love, honor, and cherish the earth until death brings us closer together forever. That's not all, folks. 
We've been together for 20 years now, and I got to tell you that Annie is my sun and my moon and my stars, and she's my rock. And I just want to say that speaking of rocks, you know, you can take a girl out of West Virginia, but you can't take the West Virginia out of a girl. And I stay in touch with my family. I'm, I'm, you know, I go a couple times a year to West Virginia, check up on them, make sure they haven't gotten too Republican. <laughs> Not that I love Republicans, they're my family, but you know, you, you don't want to be extremist in any, uh, any direction, right? So I, I, I stay in touch with my family. And a couple months ago, I got, I got a call um, from my sister, and, and she said, Beth, you know, Jim, Jimmy Stutz died. And I said, what, Jimmy died? And they said, yeah. And I said, what, what, what lung, can lung cancer? And we did all used to smoke like crazy, and, and it got him. Lung cancer got Jimmy, and I just thought, God, that, that's so awful. Because, man, I, I just think that name, Jimmy Stutz, and I see us like, like two crazy river otters fucking on that rock, just like without a care in the world. And I thought, you know... Jimmy's an ecosexual too. He always was, he is, and he will be part of the earth. Thank you very much. So you said you could love all the life on the planet. Didn't know just exactly what that would entail. Didn't get it till I finally said, damn it, Janet But you were too busy making out with a handful of kale All the times that I thought that you wanted to go camping To get away from the hustle of the city scene Didn't know it till the night and by the light that I was lamping Caught you humping a stump and fingering an evergreen She gets her rocks off with the rocks And flirts with the dirt There once was lust but now I am dust And my feelings are hurt She's gonna leave me for Leaves. Dirty talk is now a gentle breeze You wanna be amongst the birds and the bees You just wanna fuck some trees In the summertime the soil was wet and you were muddy In the fall I followed you cause I thought that you were up to no good Didn't know it till the spring when you sprung it upon me You would rather go down on the garden than down on my wood Yeah, she gets her rocks off with the rocks And flirts with the dirt There once was lust, but now I am dust And my feelings are hurt She's gonna leave me for Leaves. Dirty talk is now a gentle breeze You wanna be amongst the birds and the bees You just wanna fuck some trees Yeah, you just wanna fuck some trees Meanwhile, back on the ranch 
She fell in love with an old oak tree Penetrated by the lowest branch Then she stuck her green thumb in me I kinda liked it Didn't know that she was an egosexual Didn't get it but now it all makes perfect sense Still together, she's my love and my favorite intellectual. The grass is green on both sides of the fence. Now we get our rocks off with the rocks. We flirt with the dirt. There once was lust, and now there's more trust, and no one's feelings are hurt. She's not gonna leave me for the leaves. Dirty talk is just a gentle breeze. We are gonna be amongst the birds and the bees. We are gonna fuck some trees. Yeah, we are gonna fuck some trees. Yeah, we are gonna fuck some trees. That song, Tree Fucker was written by Body's very own Jefferson Berkey. It was custom written for Annie Sprinkle's performance many years ago. But as Annie Sprinkle's partner and a world-renowned ecosexual, it made sense that we play it for Beth Stevens' story too. If you're a fan of Jefferson Berkey's music, as I am, please join me on Sunday, April 16th. Jefferson will be having an intimate house party. It will be two sets, including music, dinner, and drinks, and the dinner will be the three-time Best of the Bay award-winning Bergie Burger. This is the best burger you've ever eaten, and everybody says so. And it will be made just for you by the Bergie Burger's creator, Chef. I'll be there, and I hope you'll join me if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area. It'll be in Oakland on Sunday, April 16th. And if you happen to be in the Bay Area... I have a few other things that I'd like to invite you to that I'll be performing at. On April 11th, I'll be performing at the show Happy Endings. It is co-hosted by Joe Wadlington, also known as Jubilee, who performed at our 16th anniversary body storytelling and blew us all away. Such an incredible storyteller. The theme of the night is period piece. I have never told a story like this and no, I will not be dressed like Marie Antoinette. And I will also be co-hosting the Golden Dildo Awards. Come see who gets a Woody this year. The Golden Dildo Awards, if you want to look it up, it's D-I-L-D-E-A-U-X, gives away coveted community choice awards like Best Sex, Favorite Fister, Best Puppy, Sexy Siren, and more than 20 other categories. It's a fundraiser, and I'll be co-hosting with infamous body storyteller, and fisting champion, Dolan Wolf. Please come see us in person. It will be happening in the Leather and LGBTQ Cultural District in San Francisco at the San Francisco Eagle on Saturday, April 22nd. It starts at 6 p.m., so don't be late. And I'm really excited at the opportunity to see you in person. I hate asking for help, but I need to ask you to do whatever you can to help keep body going right now. I've told you before that Body incurred big losses during the pandemic and beyond, and that live theater of all kinds has taken a serious hit. 
And now after monumental emotional and personal losses in the last six months, my mom, my dad, and my beloved St. Bernard Quake, I really need to step away from body to do some self-care. And since I'm self-employed, that's not possible without some sort of income while I grieve. But with your financial assistance, body storytelling can continue despite hard times. This show is my life's work, and I'm not giving up. I just need a break. I want these stories to be heard, and I believe that everyone has a story, and that our stories, especially these intimate ones, help us understand and connect to one another. There's no other place like this where you can get a standing ovation for your honesty and vulnerability. Nothing builds open-minded community like body. So I'm asking for your assistance. Every dollar you send our way is greatly appreciated. Right now, make a one-time donation to Body Storytelling on Venmo, Cash App, Buy Me a Coffee, or PayPal. Of course, the best way to support Body is ongoing support through Patreon. And that's at patreon.com slash body. Thanks in advance for your financial support for this podcast and live show. And if you're already a Patreon supporter, thank you again for your ongoing support. Well, that's our time for this week. Before I go, I want to ask you to please, could you tell one friend about this podcast? That's how it works. It's impossible to find the Body Storytelling Podcast in the sea of millions of podcasts out there. But you have good taste and everybody knows that. So you telling a friend to listen means that more people find us and will continue to grow. It would be even better if you could subscribe, rate us, and write us a review. I love reading your words. Thank you for that. And while I'm thanking people, I want to thank the people who make this podcast possible. Thank you to David Grossoff, Donald Mooney, Mosa Maxwell-Smith, Ty McKenzie, Roiland James, and podcast producer Roman Den Houdeker. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour, and this has been episode 266 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Big, big love.